So we've had a pretty smooth, non-stressful week. Absolutely. Month. Uh-huh. No stress at all. We're um we're up to our eyeballs in packing totes. Yeah. Actually, if we stacked them tall, we'd be way beyond our eyeballs. That's true. That's true. <laughs> 900 pounds of stuff that we're sending with a team that I'm taking to Malawi on uh, the next week. Leave on Monday night after we get the kids in bed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, we're going to be working on our house in Malawi, finishing it out for the family to go in July and move in and hopefully have it all move in ready and beautiful and uh, feel like home. Mosquito proof. Mosquito proof. 900 pounds sounds like a lot, but that's that was what, 12 totes? Yeah. And it was, you know, maybe 800 pounds of books. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. Every tote was about three-fourths books, and then I would get to put some fluffy home stuff on top of it to fill it out. And we still have more boxes of books that uh, didn't make the totes. So um, this episode is one that you've been waiting for, isn't it? Me? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You don't know why? (laughs) Because it's a question and answer I like, episode. I've, I've it's what you do, always wanted. It is. It is. I like question and answer yeah. podcasts. And, I've and been it's wanting not to do just it. questions that we've come up with, like we did a previous episode that was just kind of common FAQs. These are actual questions from real life people. Real people yeah. asked us these actual questions. Okay. So why don't we get started on episode four? Welcome to Gospel Life. The podcast of Gospel Life Global Missions. I'm Josh Hutchins. And I'm Stacy Lee Hutchins. And finally, we have a question and answer episode from real live people who have asked us questions. Yay! So to start out, we had a pretty big week last week. Yeah. Something, you know, kind of momentous happened in your life. Yeah, not every day. No. You want to talk about that? Um, yeah, I graduated officially with my PhD, which I, you know, had the privilege of being called doctor since March, but walked the stage and and stuff. Wore and, the funny hat. Yeah, and got hooded. Hooded. You get hooded when you get a PhD. They throw this, you know, like scarf thing around you, and uh, you wear a floppy hat, and they read your dissertation title and everyone in attendance goes, wow, you're so smart. <laughs> it was a good time. We thought it might rain it out and we'd have to have it somewhere else, but we just got drizzled on a little and had a good time there on the Southern lawn for the last time. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I've been a student there at Southern Seminary since 2004. So yeah, the entire time I've known years, you. 14 years that I've, you know, that's been a part of my life and now it's over. So it's kind of a weird feeling. It is our entire married life. You've been a student until now. Yeah. What are we going to do with ourselves? Go be Um, a professor, right? Yeah. Go teach people in Malawi (laughs) and still be part of a school because I can't get it out of me, I guess. I guess so. So um, I think you get this question quite a bit is, Why? Why do you need a PhD to go teach in Africa? This is one of those questions that 
I think people people are asking from an innocent place, but there's almost a uh, what's the word? Um, there there's kind of an assumption behind that question that bothers me, mm-hmm. if I can be honest. And the assumption is that uh, people in Africa they have so little, or people in Malawi in particular have so little that they should settle for less. Mm-hmm. And I know people don't mean that, that. I don't think they mean that, but but that's kind of the the thing that motivates that question, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um so if you have no biblical teaching then you should just settle for somebody who has a bachelor's degree coming to teach you or somebody who, you know, has just gone there with no degree to teach you because you're going from zero to something. Right. But in my thinking, I think these guys are guys who are giving their lives, the pastors that we serve, I'm talking about, that attend our schools. They are giving their lives fully and heartily to the work of the gospel. I mean, they're they're pedaling on their bikes miles and miles to go start new churches and if anybody deserves the best, it's these guys, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, a bunch of us American kids who are middle-class kids going to a fancy seminary, which I love my alma mater, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but going to a fancy seminary, sitting in fancy classrooms and fancy clothes, like, and then complaining as we so often did at Southern Seminary about whether the room was too hot or too cold because the old <laughs> systems couldn't catch up with the seasons. Um, like we, we don't deserve it. I mean, it's such a, such grace that we have mm-hmm. the faculty and the training that we have, but these guys, and I'm not saying that they're deserving in one sense, they're not. But I mean, look at them. Look at what they're doing with their lives. They deserve the best. And so if I could make myself the best in terms of training and qualifications, by qualifications right now, if the job market wasn't awful in higher (laughs) education, I could theoretically get a job at any Bible college or seminary in the country. Theoretically, with, with the training that I have, um, but I choose to give it in Malawi because of um, the payoff—the payoff of being able to affect the lives of these pastors and the lives that they touch—and um, they deserve the very best that we can offer them. Mm, I like that. So, do you think that? Everyone who goes overseas should pursue a PhD then? No, 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 no. And not every pastor who um, is in the U.S. should pursue a PhD or a doctor of ministry, a D-min or an EDD education doctorate or, or, you know, all the different variations of doctorate. And, And really, we're in a place in higher education in the U.S. that's really problematic. So higher education is a business in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's about keeping these institutions going and making money for better or worse. And to make money, they need students. And to 
get students, they have to get more and more and more students going longer and longer and longer into programs. And so we're in a situation in the U.S. where a bachelor's degree doesn't mean what a bachelor's degree used to mean. And now to just get a leg up in the workforce, you have to get a master's degree. Or or if you want to get a leg up on that, you have to get a doctorate. And so it's really problematic that education in a lot of ways doesn't mean what it used to mean. Mm -hmm. And the quality has been lowered in a lot of places. So um, I really think there needs to be significant pushback against that, especially in the ministry, that we shouldn't just keep going and going and going to school just to go and go and go to school because that's what everybody around us is doing or thinking we should do. It's all about what can this degree do for me and the people I serve? If this degree can push me to the point of being better equipped for the ministry that God has called me to, then do it. But if it's just about ego or it's just about ought to or any number of reasons, then you have no, um, you, you shouldn't, at all pursue another degree because mm. you're doing it for the wrong reasons and it's going to mess with what you have been called to because i mean you and i can we understand from this point of view that that i could have been a much better pastor at mount tabor if i wasn't pursuing more and more education yeah i'll just be honest about that 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 it was difficult for you it was difficult and my people got less of me because of the education I was pursuing. Um, and and they, you, you wrestled with that a lot. Oh, yeah. It's, that wasn't something you were just glib about. It's almost constant guilt because you know, yeah. um, you know that you're not giving your best to everything that you're a part of. And so, so but my people at Mount Tabor were signed on for that. They they understood that. They supported me. They were behind me. Um, but not every church is in a place to have their pastor or staff person pursuing higher education and being that distracted mm-hmm. from what they've called them to do. Um, so it's not for everyone. And I would really cautious guys think hard, hard, about uh, about whether or not it's for you, because if it's not for you, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and you're gonna f- you're gonna fail at what God's actually called you to. If He's not calling you to a doctorate, those are good thoughts. So here's a question for you okay. that I'll let you start out on because sure. we've been talking about this a lot because we've gotten this question regularly. This is like a extra FAQ that we thought would fit in this episode better. Yes. Um, With a lot of people who are feeling called to the ministry, we're having these conversations regularly about what's the missionary call like, what's missionary life like. So if someone is getting really serious about serving overseas, what's some just real practical advice that you would give them. Okay. We have, there, there is spiritual advice too, like draw near to Jesus and study your Bible a lot and those great things. But practically 
we have, we've been coming up with kind of a little mental list that we wanted to share. And as I have spent the last goodness, probably year and a half now sorting through everything we own and selling it and donating it and packing it and moving it and dealing with all that. I have become increasingly convinced that anyone considering missions needs to right now, today, start pursuing radical minimalism in their life. Yeah. I can't tell you how much more I would have been able to enjoy the last year and a half of my life if we were minimalists and we had so I, and we just, we get rid of so much stuff and I don't know why we even have it. You know, what's funny is minimalism is such a trend now, just in the broad world, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, it doesn't matter. It's just a trend. But at the same time, Amazon Prime is going strong. That's true. And so it's, it's just this kind of, it cancels each other out because it's so easy to just press that button on the Amazon website, and then it's there in two days. A lot of people are looking into missions, but they have a lot of debt. And sometimes that's student debt and stuff that you really couldn't help. And sometimes that's credit card debt that you could have helped. Well, you could help your student debt if you didn't keep getting degree after degree after degree. <laughs> that's like true. Like I was just talking about. But um, no, I, yeah, you're right. And we have struggled with that. I think we started our marriage and... We very naturally were well, good with our money because I worked at the bank. And so like every day well, and, I was watching our money. And we were so poor that we just didn't really have much extra yeah. to spend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we knew we were poor. Uh, but then when you have five kids and life is going 100 miles per hour, it's it's very easy to spend without thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been really helped though by a handy app called YNAB. Yeah. You need a budget is what Y-N-A-B stands for, YNAB for short. Um, And so I would, I recommend all of our missionaries coming on board with Gospel Life to use YNAB. Um, and I recommend it to anybody to get a handle on your finances and to learn to think through every purchase. Mm -hmm. And as Dave Ramsey says, give every dollar a name and then use your dollars for what you've said that dollars for. And we've used, we've tried some other budgeting apps in the past and systems and they just didn't really work for us. But YNAB is... Different. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's whatever works for you. That's true. But we're just saying YNAB has worked great for us. And I think it would work great for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you just kind of have to learn. There's a little bit of a learning curve. It's not too bad, but you, it's helpful to like get on YouTube and watch some videos about how to set it up and how to use it. And then once you've kind of got that mentality of how it's supposed to work, um, it's very simple and very easy. Yeah. yeah. So So what there, else? What else? Is there one you'd like to add to the list? Um, kind of related to finances is life insurance. So this this wah, is practical, wah. right? That's boring. <laughs> Tell our friend Chris Lawrence, the <laughs> insurance salesman, that uh, that his 
his whole life is boring is boring um life insurance <laughs> no seriously um so life insurance you need to get it before you have any definite plans to go overseas because once you have a definite plan to move overseas then an insurer is is not going to pick you up so you need to get a policy but then if you know you're called to overseas later and your plans develop later then uh, and you have a term life policy and of course you can call chris lawrence mm-hmm. our insurance salesman friend and ask him all about this and make sure i'm telling the truth but then they they won't kick you off of your plan that you've right. been paying for already and you know you think okay i'm going to be a missionary I don't care about life insurance. You know, I'm my life's for the Lord, you know, like I'm just going all out. But life insurance is an interesting tool to have in your your belt for a lot of reasons. And of course, if you're the head of a family, you're a father, you know, that's for if something happens to you, it takes care of your family. Um, but I would really recommend, and this is something we didn't do, learning from our mistakes, I recommend that you go ahead and get it on both spouses if you're married, husband Mm -hmm. and wife. And for us, we didn't get it on you because you weren't the breadwinner. And we thought, well, we'll save money on premiums because if you die, well, it doesn't matter as much, right? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) This is the situation we're in now. Amazing thing you can do is you can use your life insurance. And we talked about this on the autism episode. Yeah. Um, You can use your life insurance if you have a child with special needs to go into a special needs trust for that child and provide for that child. Yeah. Um, And it multiplies your money. I mean, we don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars, but if I die, you know, I'm, I'm worth right. that. So, yeah. uh, so anyways. And, and do that as soon as possible. We, yeah. you, we were like 21. Yeah. I was 21. I think when I got a life insurance policy and it was cheap, cheap, yeah. cheap because I was healthy. And so go ahead and do it before you have plans to go overseas. Right. So you have another one. I know. I, yeah. And um, maybe our listeners are hearing our pets in the background right now <laughs> fighting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one that we would tell people is don't get pets period. It's not worth it to try to find them new homes. And you think you're going to get this sweet little kitten and then you have a 12 year old fat diabetic cat that <laughs> that wakes you up at 5 30 in the morning because he's hungry and needs shots twice a day all right here's another one okay uh from me is uh figure out who you are and what you're good at mm. um and, and i mean this in a really practical way like figure out what you're comfortable doing, the, your giftedness, um, and just what you're talented at. Because here's the thing, missionaries don't just, you know, walk down the street and high five people and say, you know, Jesus, you know, like <laughs> most missionaries have like actual jobs that they perform for their organization. Yeah. Uh, I am a teacher. I 
teach pastors because that's what I'm good at. That's Mm -hmm. what I enjoy. That's what lights me up. We have a a team member joining us, um, Kiki Cunningham. She's a nurse by trade. And she's going to be over our compassion ministries and our medical ministries um, because she figured out what she's good at, what she loves to do. And that's what she's putting her life into. And so there when you say, I want to be a missionary, well, there's like 10 million things that could mean Mm -hmm. or look like the what the way you do that. How do you do that? Well, a you serve in your local church. And you get a handle for your giftedness in your local church community. But B, I think it's really helpful for for people who are seriously interested in missions to spend time with a missionary, not on a mission trip. So what I mean by that is go if they're okay with it. Make sure they're okay with it. Don't just show up at their door, but go overseas to a context you're interested in to a missionary that you know and say, can I just come and visit you for a week or two weeks and just tag along and be part of what you do yeah. so that you can see what real life missions is like because it's mission, not like a mission. It's trip. not like a mission trip. Yeah, or if you have a chance, like we've gotten to meet with and talk to quite a few people while we've been here this year. And yeah. if you have a chance and you know a missionary who's in America from the field, go hang out with them and yeah. talk to them and pick their brains. Yeah. You want to move on into our questions that we received? Yes, then? we do. We do. Okay. So the first question we received was: Is it fairly safe? It being Malawi, I assume, and um, fairly safe. Yeah, it's fairly safe. There's not violent. It's a it's a peaceful, nonviolent country. Yeah, there's not violence. There are not um, extremists or, you know, you're not going to get mugged. It's safe from violence um, in general. I mean, it's probably in that respect safer than the u.s yes where awful things fill the news every day yeah um is it fairly safe uh in terms of disease well there's other risks and you have to calculate those and and know how to treat things and know when you need to see the doctor it's all about um calculating risks and knowing how to confront those risks yeah this question and i'm not i'm not judging whoever asked this (laughs) but it just reminded me of my favorite sermon of all time that i can almost quote word for word once it gets going which is john piper doing Doing missions missions when dying dying is gain. gain and in that sermon he talks about interviewing staff members for the Bethlehem Baptist Church in downtown Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm so tired of people. This is my John Piper impression. I'm doing my arms everywhere. If you can, they can't see it. (laughs) Uh, I'm so tired of uh, staff members, potential staff members coming into my office. And the first question they ask is, will my children be safe? Mm. I mean, ask that. 10th, ask that 20th, but don't 
ask that as the first question, because this is about the gospel that whoever said gospel ministry would be safe. Yeah. Um, so we answer that question, but we answer it not saying we're going because Mm -mm. it's fairly safe. No, not or we're not going because it's not safe. Yeah. That's, that's not the governing factor. Right. Yeah. Um, so we have got this pair of questions. Uh, what or will your kids like it? And what if your kids don't like it? <laughs> will our kids like it? We have no idea. <laughs> They're fairly excited about it. We always think our kids will like their birthday presents and then like two days later, they don't care about what we got them. So we're pretty bad judges of what our kids <laughs> will like. Apparently. Um, I'd say our kids are very flexible yeah. overall. I mean, they have challenges and things and adjustments to situations, but um, especially, well, Jude, we've moved so many times in his life. That yeah. You know, a child with autism, a lot of times they're said to be very rigid and they have to have everything a certain way. And in some cases, he's like that. Some very small cases, but um, like he won't eat eggs if you don't cook bacon with him. (laughs) But overall, we have moved so many times in his lifetime that it's like normal to him. Yeah. He probably starts to worry about things if we haven't moved <laughs> in a few years. And our other kids and coming from the background they did in foster care. They've moved a lot they've too. They've moved a lot too. So they, in a weird way, they all have that skill kind of built into them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I'm not saying it's not going to be a challenge, but hopefully that skill will serve them well. In yeah. this transition. Yeah. So what if they don't like it? Um, they're kids. They'll get <laughs> over it. Yeah. And it's important to figure out why they're expressing that they don't like it. And maybe it's something that we can help them with. Right. Uh, you know, if, if they're not making friends, we can help them with that. Or, you know, there's... There's got to be a reason to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are plenty of resources in us and and Malawi and yeah. you know the world to kind of meet whatever needs they're trying to express if they say they don't like it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're going to help them to like it. Yeah. And, you know, um, a missionary told me once that so much of a kid's experience on the mission field is a reflection of the mother's attitude Oh yeah, on the mission field. And when the mother has a bad attitude about it and complains about the country they're in and, you know, then the kids are going to have a bad attitude and not enjoy it too. But if the mother digs in and enjoys it and makes the best of it, then the kids will too. Yeah. If mama ain't happy, Ain't nobody. Ain't nobody happy. <laughs> what are we most looking forward to and most nervous about? So I am most looking forward to teaching, obviously. Yeah. That's what it, all this is about is training pastors. So I can't wait to get to the point that we're running our schools regularly, um, that we've launched our 
residential academy and that I can actually teach without a translator. So um, those are all goals that I'm so excited about and can't wait to to have in front of me. So your turn. Yeah, this sounds small, but I guess reflects you know, my, my place, which is mostly in the home. I'm really excited about the weather and the, the home that we have built has huge windows that open completely. And I'm excited about having the windows open all the time and the breeze and the sounds that come through when you have the windows open. And, um, I'm just, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about homeschooling the kids again. I know, some people don't understand that. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I am. We've had a good year with the three of them at New Covenant this year, um, but I'm really excited to get back to homeschooling them again, too. So what are you nervous about? I get uh, we kind of mentioned this earlier when you were talking about safety as far as diseases and stuff. I get nervous about the kids getting malaria. Yeah. I get nervous about two things, snakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't like snakes. And there's some serious snakes. Yeah. And I really want a pet mongoose. <laughs> we talked about not wanting pets, but I want a pet mongoose <laughs> like Riki Tiki Tavi in um, the story by... Uh, oh, Rudyard Kipling. Rudyard Kipling, who like saves the baby by killing the cobras. Yeah. Yes. We actually looked that up. If you look it up on YouTube, you can see videos of mongooses fighting snakes. Yes. And they, they really are do. awesome because it, our listeners may not know this. A mongoose has something in its blood that is the antidote for snake venom. Really? So if a snake bites the mongoose, um, it does nothing hmm. because the whatever's in the mongoose's blood and scientists are trying to figure this out so that like they can make yeah. it into medicine and stuff to save us. But, um, so that's why the mongoose is the snake killer because mm. the venom doesn't affect the mongoose. We have actually looked this up and mongooses, mongoose, 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 Mongooses uh, are are not typically kept as pets. Um, apparently, they're they're kind of like a wild animal that may occasionally adopt a family and I hang nearby if you feed like it. Someone who has a pet squirrel or something like yeah, he's never gonna like come in the house and, and be a pet pet and stay, but. They'll kind of come over and leave and hang out there for a while and leave and come back. Yeah. Yeah. Like an outdoor tomcat yeah, kind that's of. What, that's all I want Riki Tiki Tavi to do. I mean, he's got to be like roaming the perimeter to, yeah? to see if there are any green mambas out there or anything. That's true. Yeah. Can we shorten it to Riki? No. no. It's not allowed. Rudyard would not approve. <laughs> we might get Riki the mongoose confused with That's Kiki. the sound that they... Riki and Kiki. <laughs> Kiki the nurse, Riki the mongoose. Yeah, I can see that. That's like the sound they make, isn't it? I think that's why <laughs> I he named know. it Riki T. Anyways, so snakes. And on a more serious level, 
I am serious about the snakes, though. <laughs> um, on a more serious level, though, I get nervous about leading gospel life as an organization. Hmm. Like, there's a lot of responsibility. And now that we're appointing more missionaries, which we'll talk more about in other podcasts, but but that's even more responsibility yeah. for me because I take it very personally like I'm not just making sure that our family is taken care of now. Mm-hmm. I'm making sure that other families are taken care of too. Yeah. Um, and I really have have them on my heart and on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, they're wonderful people that are hard workers and, and that's why they're part of our team. But still, I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And I get nervous that. I don't have enough in me to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think you do, or you wouldn't worry about it. Well, let's hope. <laughs> all right. Here's another question for both of us. It's the last one, right? Uh-huh. Um, and this is from Ashley, who is a college student at Murray State, who goes to church with us. Wonderful, Ashley. Okay, my question for you both is, in the midst of the calling God placed in your life, did you ever experience a time where you didn't want to go overseas? I'm going to add that word. Like Jonah, when he was specifically being called to go and he didn't deny himself and ran from God, what would you say to people who feel very clear that they are being called to overseas missions, but they are experiencing a sense of fear and wanting to shrink back? What would you say? Or have you ever felt that way? Um. Personally, no. Um, I have, like I mentioned with the malaria, I have had moments where I kind of am like, are are we sure this is the right decision? Yeah. I I get moments. Specific things that we get nervous about, like we were just talking about. Like malaria. Yeah. Yeah. And snakes. And snakes. Specifically, I think... Are we sure we're making the right decision in this? But not so much that it made it where you didn't want to go. No, no. I mean, me, myself, I I would go. Yeah. Yeah. That's never been. So, so you haven't and, and I haven't either. Uh, but what would you say to someone who is feeling that way? Um, I've been thinking about this question for a while. And I think without knowing particulars of what you might be afraid of, um, that's causing you to want to shrink back. I would try to talk to people who are doing what you're considering doing and get some of those questions answered. Yeah. Yeah. Some, I guess some fears are like fears of things that are in the dark. And if you can put a little light on it, it's not as scary. Yeah. A lot of it, I think, can be fear of the unknown. Yeah. So, so one method is to get to know what you don't know better. Yeah. So that you can go into it with a little more confidence. I think she brings up the, the, example of Jonah 
And what's interesting about Jonah is I think a lot of us as Americans interpreting that book of the Bible jumped to Jonah was afraid to go to Nineveh. So he ran away. Like, because that, I don't know, that's something that comes natural in our experience. If you're called to go to another country, then you're afraid you want to go the other direction. But in the book of Jonah, that's not the issue for Jonah. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he knows, he says this, what, in chapter four, he says to God, I knew that if I come here, came here and I preached what you told me to preach, that you would forgive them. And I didn't want them to be forgiven. Yeah. So it was a lack of compassion on the people that God was calling him to. That was what drove Jonah to try to, to run or boat in the opposite <laughs> direction away from Nineveh. And so from that, I'd say there are different uh, motivators that would push you to run away from God's calling. And so it's important to really honestly seek um, the Lord and try to figure out what is it that's motivating this. Maybe mm. it's fear. Maybe it's a lack of compassion, uh, or it could be a number of things. But the good news is, what happened to Jonah? God got him to Nineveh. In God the got him to Nineveh. That's right. Um, and I th we've seen some instances of that ourselves, of mm -hmm. people who were thinking, who were afraid or concerned about going in, in one direction. They were they tried to go in another direction and God shut doors yeah. and he directed them to where they were supposed to be. So, um, so this is a, a walk with God in which you're trusting God and you're being honest with God about your feelings mm -hmm. and he's going to shepherd you. And it's much better to do that all up front and allow him to shepherd you in the process than to go the opposite direction and have him shepherd you the hard way yeah, to where, you, to where you're in the belly of a well or you're going through some awful situation that God's using to redirect you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, another thing that came to my mind was just to listen to a lot of David Platt sermons. Yeah. Um, he's pretty good at motivating. Yeah. <laughs> Read yeah. Radical if you haven't listened to David Platt all the time. Yeah. I think you'll probably be good. Yeah. And this may surprise you. Read Chip Gaines's newest book. Oh, yeah. Capital Gaines. I'm in the midst of listening to it uh, on Audible. And he has a really good chapter on fear. And he makes this point that fear is always an illegitimate motivator. Hmm. You should never make a decision or not make a decision, do something or not do something because you're afraid. Like there's risk assessment for sure. You've got to, you got to know what you're getting into, but at the end of the day, don't not do something just because you're afraid. Yeah. I mean, how many times in the Bible does God say, don't be afraid? Yeah. It's because when you're afraid, that's wrong because it's a lack of understanding of who God is and the world that you live in. Yeah. 
And I just, as I was listening to you talk, I was just thinking, I feel like disobeying a clear call from God because of fear would, should call us to examine what, what exactly are we loving here more than we love God? Yeah. Yeah. That like, there's something at the root of that fear that is, I love security or I love safety or I love, you know, my family, my parents or, or any number of things more than I love obeying God. Would you say that this problem of fear is more um, of a temptation for women than it is for men, for wives than it is for husbands? That's a good question. I feel like for some reason women are generally more fearful. I don't know. I could see it being a, a, a scary thing for a man because you're the one leading your family, but yeah, I do think women struggle with it more. I think though a man generally, this is all generalities. A mm-hmm. husband generally has a drive to do something that's yeah. leading the family into this situation. That's true. Whereas a wife as the nurturer of the home, mm-hmm. as the mama bear, is more aware of the risks that she's putting her family into. Yeah. Um, and that's where fear comes up. And I ask that because I've been studying First Peter lately, uh-huh. and, and I'm hoping to uh, write a book on Peter, First and Second Peter, in the next few years. Don't hold me to it. Um, <laughs> but I've been studying First Peter, and one thing Peter says, and I love this, is First Peter um, chapter three verse six. He he talks about uh, women being like Sarah, and he says, "And you are Sarah's children if you do good, and you do not fear anything that is frightening." Mm. And just the way he puts that, yeah, like it's it's not. Don't be afraid because nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of. That how yeah. many times do we tell our kids that? Oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no monsters in the closet or under the bed. Yeah. There's nothing to be afraid of. But what Peter says instead is don't be afraid of the things that are actually frightening. Yeah. There are things that are that are scary but don't be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me, um, uh, this is coming to my mind too. Yeah. yeah. So I've, um, gotten really into the any Enneagram recently, and I've been listening to the typology podcast, which I highly recommend. This is a personality test for those who yes. aren't in this wormhole of right. psychology. Um, and I'm loving it. And he has an interview on there. We, I can't remember it, but we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, anyway, he has one interview that I listened to on there with a woman who was a type six and sixes tend to worry and have anxiety. And she brought up 
a distinction between bravery and courage and that bravery is just not being scared and courage is being scared but doing something anyway because there's a higher purpose yeah yeah um and i just i found that so compelling and and yeah it goes right along with that yeah. that you read that it, there are scary things out there but we can have courage yeah he's calling women peter is he's mm-hmm. calling women to be courageous because that's a struggle as a wife as a mother who has people to take care of yeah. to be so afraid that you don't take the gospel risks that you need to take and, and he says no, if you're going to be like Sarah, if you're going to be this amazing woman of godliness who who uh, arraigns herself with godliness, this comes right after, am I diving in too deep here? No. Are you enjoying it? Mm-hmm. This comes right after he's telling women, don't let your adorning be external with braiding hair and putting gold jewelry and clothing. And you got your eye makeup tattooed. <laughs> this week and i think it's disobeying this verse actually (laughs) oh i don't think that's the right application but uh but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in god's sight is very precious Mm. and part of what that looks like that internal beauty is to be fearless In the sense of being courageous in the sight of fear. But look at that very next verse. Where does our courage come from? It doesn't come from Mm. ourselves. It's this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Mm. And I mean, our courage can only come from him. Yeah. And knowing that, that the gospel is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a refuge. He, just all the the descriptors of God in the in the yeah. Psalms. He's a fortress. He's our refuge. He's our rock that that we stand on in the midst of the chaos and the fear uh, that is all around us. That's mm-hmm. how we're like Sarah and fearless. Yeah, and it's a good word for men too. By the way, yeah, the application is for for us as well. And just like I said, what what are we loving more than we're loving God? What do we love more than we're loving the like? What is worth more to us than the gospel? Mm. What? Yeah, yeah. Because nothing should be. Yeah. And when we when we put it that way to ourselves, it's it's hard to put those fears ahead of that. Yeah. You know. Amen. cue the music it's time for the altar call (laughs) that was good thanks if you have any other questions that you would like answered on a future podcast episode we would love to get them you can leave them at gospellife.org backslash questions thank you for listening You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Gospel Life Go. God provides for the needs of Gospel Life through your prayers and gifts. To become a prayer or giving partner, go to gospellife.org. 
We hope you join us in glorifying God by growing disciples who make disciples. We hope that you live a gospel life. All right, it's the moment that everyone has been waiting for. It is time for us to draw a name of those who wrote reviews on iTunes. And so we have put everyone's names in the the headphones case. The real pieces of paper. And we're we're going to see who wins the Gospel Life mug. You forgot. I did. I was like, is it the mug? Yes, it's the mug. So I'm going to let you, my beautiful assistant, have the honor. Okay. Close my eyes. And the winner is Santana Baker. Ah, and she's getting married, right? I hope so. Yeah, because my sister was getting a bridesmaid's dress. Oh. Yeah. So congratulations, Santana. Your wedding present is a Gospel <laughs> Life mug. Nobody has ever had it for a wedding gift before. So she's a first. That's great. Congratulations. <laughs>